Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Boy, do we have a lot to get to today. Uh, SMU coming off a tough 24-23 loss to BYU in that New Mexico Bowl. The Mustangs didn't quit trying to come back from down 14. They go for it at the end to get the win, and Tanner Mordecai is stopped just short of the goal line, giving the Cougars uh, their fourth win uh, and remaining unbeaten over SMU in the series. Look, we'll talk a lot about the game. We'll talk a lot about where maybe the roster needs to go next year, but we're also seeing a lot of work being done uh, by this coaching staff in the transfer world, um, continuing to target top uh, tier transfers. Um, Honestly, you, you look at who they're after, there's not much out there that you, you kind of go, hmm, should they? they? They've been on it. They've been on it. They were back at it on Sunday. If you're not a subscriber to On the Pony Express, first of all, jump on board. I know a lot of you guys who listen are. Uh, for $10 for a year, this is going to expire soon. You can get access to ontheponyexpress.com, but you can also get one of the few On the Pony Express Founders Club hats that we have left available. So if you've subscribed and not gotten your hat, check the board. I'll bump the Founders Club hat thread where it has the instructions to redeem them. If you do subscribe, get in for $10 for a year, pick up your hat as well, uh, and join us. We've had a ton of people sign up over the weekend. Appreciate all the subscribers who are throwing us uh, some free marketing. As well, if you're a subscriber and you get somebody to jump on board, and this is something I've always done, if you get somebody to jump on board, have them DM me, and I will give you a free month for each person you get to subscribe. So that goes for any time, not just during a promotional period. So check that out on the site. Please keep helping us build that subscriber base. Now, on to the goods. Well, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad in terms of the game, but we'll talk a lot about transfers. We'll talk a lot about roster. I'm going to try to get to some of those mailbag questions. Uh, what a absolute wild um, game. Uh, that, and it really was one of those games where it felt like Navy, and somebody made this comment on the board, it really felt like Navy um, on uh, at some points where you knew BYU, who started Soljay Mayava Peters, wanted to run the football. We knew they wanted to chew the clock. I think we said that in our preview. I didn't get far enough in terms of how it would impact my over-under and score prediction. But look, uh, 24-23, obviously a couple touchdowns short on that front in terms of hitting the over uh, for that one. But I just felt like SMU was going to be able to move the ball a little bit more consistently uh, than they did. And Look, I, di- I didn't think, especially in the, in the second half, SMU moved the ball pretty well. But there was too often in the game that was limited on possessions. But mind you, SMU still ran 87 plays. I, th- I feel like SMU got away from the run too much. Uh, there was a drive in the second quarter um, where SMU threw the ball five times, I believe, or four times in a row. Ended up, um, I think they punted or they turned it over on downs, one of the two. Um, but that was one where you could have chewed a little bit more clock, could have given your defense a rest to kind of help you in the second half a little bit. And by the way, the defense played great in the second half outside of one drive. It it was just one of those things where Soljay Maiava Peters 
who's one of the better athletes in his class at quarterback when he came out of uh, Hawaii. Um, and I, I got a chance to see him a couple times, I believe, in high school. But just kind of slipped through tackles. SMU had him dead to rights on a sack at one point. Jalen Samuels didn't get him. Uh, I think he ended up throwing incomplete. Um, they did not capitalize early in the game enough to get him on the ground when they had opportunities to. Nelson Paul got beat to the outside on a keeper. It was just not a perfect defensive effort, which no one was expecting. And, you know, BYU still got a really good clip per run on the ground. SMU was just able to, in the second half, limit that outside of that scoring drive. SMU did grab an interception with Shannon Reed, um, only to see Tanner Mordecai throw an interception that was returned for a touchdown. Now, Gage Haskin missed a block, missed it badly. Um, and that allowed the BYU player Bywater to go ahead and grab that, return it all the way for a touchdown. That was the play that when you're watching that game, you're like, all right, how does SMU respond? I believe BYU went and scored after that as well to go up 14, um, or maybe uh, the interception was to go up 14, one of the two. But, you know, SMU fought back and I didn't think for a second they were going to lay down. SMU's done a really good job for the most part this season, save for the Tulane game, at battling back uh, and trying to make a game of it. UCF obviously pulled away in the second half. SMU had to start pressing. They didn't hit in the red zone in that one. We know the story on both of those two games that ended up being a little lopsided. But as far as not quitting, SMU didn't quit. And I think that's something that, look, when you're on the board and you're in the moment, and last year or next year's team might be different. Next year's team might not have the killer instinct, or um, excuse me, it might not have that that dog to fight. But I, I mean, I'm going to edge right now on the side with what we've seen that SMU will have that dog next year to fight, especially with the way they've added in the transfer portal and are going to continue to add. But when you look at this team, they never they never ever quit. They really didn't. Um, you look at some of the guys on the team, uh, Tyler Levine gutting it out. Roderick Daniels, who stepped away and came back um, after his father passed to play out the rest of the season. Jordan Curley coming back from injury. Tanner Mordecai playing through all he's played through this season. Marcus Bryant gutted it out. Owen Condon was gutting it out. Um, Justin Osborne got nicked up at one point. A lot of guys on on defense as well, just here and there. Um, you know, bump, bumps and bruises. Everybody's that way at this time of year. This team never quit. I think... Look, there was a time at that game when they got down 14 and the way it was going that it could have gotten away from them, but I didn't ever really think they were going to quit. There was still a lot of time. There was just concern that the way BYU ran the ball on their last scoring drive, that there just wasn't going to be enough time for SMU. BYU was going to be able to milk the clock. And Scott Simon's defense, you got to give him a lot of credit. They found a way to get stops and give SMU's offense a chance to come back and win. Uh, they score. Um, kudos to, to Roderick Daniels, um, you know, the play that he had both at running back and at wide receiver. You also had Jordan Curley make that clutch grab in the end zone uh, on the final off offensive play before the two-point try for SMU to uh, make it 24-23. I was a little concerned coming out of the half that SMU wasn't going to be able to shake what kind of was a – a ho-hum first half in terms of how they were offensively. They were out of sync. They didn't have a passing game or much of one. 
um, in terms of consistency. They they tried to push the ball down the field here or there, but nothing like we've seen uh, all season uh, for this team, which, I mean, look, they miss Rasheed Rice. They miss Dylan Goffey. There's no question about that. Um, and, and they miss probably having a, a truly healthy backfield. I think that factored in. I still think they got away from it too much in terms of not giving them, um, you know, any opportunities at certain pockets of the game. Uh, but look, I mean, the second half, SMU found a way offensively. They were moving the ball. I mean, that interception is such a backbreaker. Obviously, it's not funny, but we talked about it on the board and we talked about it last week on the preview podcast. What did SMU have to do to win the game? They had to take care of the football. And the teams tie in the turnover battle, but then the one turnover for SMU is a pick six. So it trumps the tying of the turnover battle. And instead of just a turnover and somehow SMU is able to maybe get a stop and you play on, instead it just flips the game on on its head and and you know SMU's playing catch up from there. I thought the the call to go for two was correct. I mean, look at what SMU was dealing with. Roger Daniels got hurt. Jordan Curley got hurt. Uh, Tyler Levine was hurt. I mean, they were done out at a lot of spots and it's bowl game. It was 20 degrees. Go for the win. Who cares? Um, I don't think this is a game that anybody looks at it and says, oh my gosh, you know, no Pac-12, no this, no that. Uh, it obviously hasn't hurt recruiting by any means. Um, this is a game that I think was just kind of a just a perfect storm for SMU to lose. You know, they were bad run defense all year. BYU was able to take advantage of that um, and, you know, use, tw- what, 25-year-olds to kind of push around some, you know, 20, 21, 22-year-olds um, at times during the game. And their running backs were all healthy. They were ready to go. And they came up with, you know, some good scheming to, um, you know, put SMU on their heels a little bit defensively. You know, I think going with the running quarterback was the right decision, obviously. Um, Soljay Maava really stressed SMU's defense at times. Um, they were able to contain the passing game for the most part. I didn't really see too much separation here or there. Um, I believe he finished 7 of 12 for, you know, nothing really crazy uh, passing game-wise. But, you know, SMU just had struggled to defend the run all year. They missed Terrence Newman. They missed Stephon Wright. Uh, they missed some guys in there that, you know, weren't playing. And, um, you know, I think they did their best. You know, this wasn't a, a BYU team that wasn't necessarily good enough to beat beat SMU. I mean, you look at a pick six kind of being the defi- deciding factor. I mean, you want to have that one back. Um, but I think the, the thing with this team is they battled. They always battled. Uh, and, and they made it, you know, a game at the end. They had a chance to win it on the final play. Tanner Mordecai stopped short. Um, I didn't love doing all the shifting. I kind of thought that was like – window dressing for what was going to be a QB draw in the end. Um, and I believe Rhett, Rhett Lashley said he stuck with that call. And I think to an extent, it's, I don't love a quarterback draw on a two point try. I, I think we've seen it here and there. Um, you know, the NFL with Josh Allen kind of makes it, you know, something, you know, uh, Pat Mahomes does it. Um, Jalen Hurts does it. Uh, I almost would have rather have loaded the box with an extra lineman and and just kind of direct snapped it to to Tanner Mordecai and just tried to just push the pile forward. I mean, I know how SMU's offensive line has been here or there, but uh, just mash it ahead and see what you can do and um, or, or do some sort of shifting, you know, maybe to get some, create some space horizontally, you know, run, run some sort of jet sweep uh, action with somebody, maybe 
you know, get that going. You know, they picked up a fourth down with Austin Upshaw, who, you know, was able to stick stick his arm out and get it across um, and a good play by him on that. But um, this is one of those times where it just didn't work out uh, for SMU. So I, I think kudos to uh, to this team. They, they didn't necessarily um, give up. They didn't um, ever lay down. And, and I think that's what you want. That, that tells me their culture was good. I think they were a team with obvious flaws throughout this season. And we, we all know them. You know, the wide receivers had some drops throughout the year. The run game was inconsistent. They found it late in the season with Tyler Levine, who was banged up late against BYU. Um, they, the defense was, was poor uh, for much of the season. They had their moments where they stepped up just like they did Saturday night and gave SMU a chance to win. There were some times in the season where that happened and and they were able to have opportunities to win. But in the end, this team had some serious flaws to it. Um, we talked about the tight end position going into this season. I think that's a group that they're going to have to address in the transfer portal and find someone. I know it's a tough position to find. They're bringing in Trip Reardon. They're bringing in Lonnie Johnson, two guys that are going to have opportunities to play early. You know, you have R.J. Maryland uh, coming back. He's a stud. Be, uh, ben Redding uh, moves on, um, and they'll have Gage Haskin back, I think, as well. So, um, you know, they need somebody to step up and kind of take on a bigger role. Cam Allen, uh, Nolan Matthews Harris, they hadn't shown anything this year to, you know, really spark confidence. So maybe next year they can pick it up and, and improve. But until then, you know, this is a room that um, – Needs an influx of talent, especially from the transfer portal. They need a bigger body. It's hard to find right now, though. Um, some big news, and then we'll talk a little transfer and, and kind of uh, share some thoughts on the state championships from Texas. And then tomorrow, Tuesday, mailbag pod. That's what it's all going to be. Um, SMU is losing Craig Niver, their safeties and special teams coordinator to Coastal Carolina, where he's reuniting with Tim Beck uh, to be his defensive coordinator for Coastal. Uh, kudos to Craig Niver. He gets to call defense again. Uh, I think it was something that he couldn't really turn down with his ties with Tim Beck. They've been on, a, I believe, a couple staffs together now. Um, so he heads out that way after one season at SMU. I think this was not something where he would have done it unless, you know, he's getting his hands on a, a defense to call. That's obviously a big opportunity for him. He had just gotten back to Texas. His daughter, I believe, goes to SMU. Um, so that is a big deal. Uh, for him, I think this is there's a ton of ways to unpack it. SMU had special teams issues this season. I think there needed to be some sort of shakeup in the offseason on that front. I will say it was thin pickings as far as the actual players on the unit, uh, especially after some of the opt outs that we saw uh, earlier this season. Chase Cromartie, Isaiah Wachobia, um, Jalen, Jalen Record and the guys like that. Um, they also had some injuries happen uh, that impacted that group as well. But. He did bring in Colin Rogers, a freshman kicker. That was a great eval. He looks like he's going to be one of the better SMU kickers for years to come. Uh, he uses connections to sign Ryan Bukchevsky, who was serviceable this season for SMU. I, there weren't any mishaps. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad by any means. Um, so, look, um, as far as the safeties group, they left a lot to be desired on the field this year. I do think, and we noted that, I would say – kind of early on, this was a group that didn't have much, you know, margin for error. You lose Chase Cromartie four games in, he wasn't contributing. Donald Clay wasn't contributing. Roderick Robertson wasn't contributing. Um, they had a lot of guys in that room that weren't contributing. So um, when you look at trying to 
piece that group together, it was an uphill battle. Um, Brian Massey did not live up to expectations. Brandon Crosley was inconsistent. The best player at the safety position was Nick Roberts, who Craig Niver brought in. And Ahmad Moses, late ad for SMU in the signing class, looks like he's going to be a great player. Talk about having a great finish to your season. Ahmad Moses is a huge stock up type of player for SMU. You look at him in that secondary with some of the transfers they've added. I, I got a pencil Ahmad Moses in as a starter next year. That's what he showed down the stretch. Um, and so he looks like he's going to be a good one for SMU that Craig Niver brought in. Uh, they have Jonathan McGill on board in the transfer portal. Uh, more safety help on the way, I bet, uh, in some respect. And they're also loading back up on the secondary. So uh, he also signed is going to sign Jaden Milliner-Jones for SMU. Uh, he's going to enroll early, a state champion now uh, at DeSoto. And, um, you know, Abdul Muhammad was, was somebody that they brought in, kind of looking like a depth piece probably. But, um, you know, that was a kind of a Keenan Hall uh, addition with Randy Reese. And you get Craig, Craig Niver, you know, bringing in uh, – Jaden Milner Jones, who looked looks really versatile, physical. Um, so SMU is going to miss him in some respects. There, there were there's room for improvement with that group at the safety position. There's room for improvement in special teams, without a doubt. So Rhett Lashley has his first kind of coaching search uh, underway on his staff. Somebody that he's got to replace wouldn't shock me if we see maybe some tweaks to the staff, just in terms of responsibilities, maybe. Uh, but look, this is a this is a position that is very important in today's college football. I think you need somebody dedicated to it. So I'm intrigued to see what SMU does on that front. So Craig Niver out the door one year in to SMU, one of the good guys out there. So um, we'll continue to kind of track uh, any other coaching changes that happen. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see what happens when silly season kind of gets underway. Um, and there will be a couple waves of it. They'll be, you know, right around now. And then there's going to be after signing period as well that there seems to be staff shakeups as well. So on to kind of the transfer portal news. Look, again, if you're not on the site, jump on board. $10 for a year. Lots going on uh, right now with SMU on the transfer portal front. I dropped multiple on three recruiting prediction machine picks um, on Monday. Check those out. Those are all on there. Um, and... I think in terms of what to expect right now, um, this is this is going to be a, as good of a run as anyone's in the country. And I'm, I'm kind of ready to make that prediction. You look at Florida State and Michigan, those are two schools really having a good run at it. Um, USC probably is going to have a good run at it. And there might be higher-end talent that goes to – other schools that trumps SMUs, um, Arizona State's going to be one, uh, UCLA, uh, TCU obviously is going to be one. But I look at what SMU is starting to do, and in terms of pure talent, this roster is going to look night and day, and, and it's just crazy to watch. Uh, it's a credit to Rhett Lashley, his staff, recruiting staff, everyone involved. They've balanced this so well. They were. They got in at around 4.30 Sunday morning from the game. They had flight issues. They were back up on campus that morning hosting transfers, hosting players, uh, meeting with players. This was this is not by accident that they were they've, – they've set themselves up for this. So you've got to give them so much credit uh, for where it's going. So 
check that out. There's a lot uh, to run down. I I think we're going to see um, at least five more transfers uh, for SMU commit. Um, they already have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine transfers on board. I can tell you they have probably at least three silent commitments right now. Um, if you want more information, check out the board. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I would say you look at the you look at the the positions that need to be um, prioritized. And offensive line is still one that I feel like they're going to address. Drake Metcalf is one to watch um, for SMU as well with this teammate Jonathan McGill already on board. Um, P.J. Williams, uh, who visited Colorado this past weekend, Prime is circling him. Uh, We'll see if SMU can pull that one off. Um, There are a lot of players that have been linked to SMU that are trending the right way. Um, So go ahead and check that out. I I think – when you look at where things stand going into the early signing period, we're going to see some players put pen to paper Wednesday. Um, a lot of us, I'm not hearing of any flips late, so we'll kind of keep an eye on it. I did make a new uh, prediction for an for a, an on three RPM pick for a 2023 recruiting target as well. Um, so Wednesday is going to be a start of some fun for SMU on the transfer and recruiting front. That's the first day guys can sign. Um, and they're not going to be done. There's going to be a lot more to come. I think it's going to be interesting how tight end pans out. It's a thin position overall nationally. A lot of reaching, a lot of uh, players that might not fit that well in other spots. So SMU really has its work cut out for itself to find a tight end that they really probably can use and develop right away and really get going with. Um, So I'm interested to see how that pans out for them. They – Uh, need one badly. I think they need a big body to plug in there. So I'm going to be watching that on the transfer front. Now to kind of cap this podcast, I was out at the state championships. I did watch the bowl game uh, while watching the Duncanville uh, Panthers win their state championship uh, with coach samples, finally getting that one, which was fun to see for Dallas, but look um, South Oak cliff started it off for Dallas Friday night. Abdul Muhammad, helped the uh, Golden Bears win their second straight cha- state championship. Um, they they just were able to find ways to uh, to win that one and beat Port Natchez Grove. Um, they pulled away and, and it wasn't end, you know it didn't end up being close. Um, Malik Muhammad who had an interception return for a touchdown. Uh, they just did a great job you know top to bottom. I, I think the Golden Bears are certainly here to stay um, but they'll have their work cut out for them uh, next year. They lose a senior class. it's very, very impressive. Um, as well. So um, another one, six, six wide receiver, Trey Jackson. I really liked him. He's a basketball player uh, in the class of 2024. Looks like he's going to start getting some recruiting attention as well. Um, in terms of SMU, if you're looking for a big, you know, big body kind of wide out type, that's one to circle. I was very impressed with him. Moving ahead, uh, DeSoto faced off with uh, Austin Vandegrift. Uh, Jaden Milner Jones had a really strong game. Um, playing kind of all over again, linebacker safety um, against Vandegrift. Again, DeSoto kind of pulled away. It salted away for them. Um, and I've covered a lot about Jaden Milner Jones. I've seen him a lot. I like what he's going to bring from a versatility perspective. He's going to enroll in January. But on the flip side of things, Damian Wimberly, SMU's defensive line commit that played for Vandegrift. I got to be honest with you. This one is a guy that I'm really excited about for SMU. 
uh, 6'5-ish, almost 6'5", 260 pounds. He's got a 6'10 wingspan. He tested off the charts. Um, and look, I think when you're playing defensive line at the high school level and you don't come off the field, it's very hard. They didn't rotate him off much at all. He played pretty much the whole game, and DeSoto had their way um, with, with Vandergriff in a way. Or excuse me, um, yeah, DeSoto had their way with Vandergriff um, in a way, so that kind of made it difficult. You know, they were out there for long drives. But you look at the tools he has. Um, he's got a great spin move when he applies it. Uh, he is bigger than I thought. He carries 260 very well. He's got big legs, um, and he's just a terrific athlete. He seems well-liked by his teammates. He was, you know, as one would expect, very emotional after the the loss. Um, I just think he's he's got off-the-charts potential. If Calvin Thibodeau can tap into that, it's going to be very, very special. He's set to sign with SMU on Wednesday as well, so a big, big land for SMU to keep him. And then Duncanville capped things off. Um, Saturday night with their state championship beating Houston North Shore. Um, we saw so many players make plays. Obviously, five-star edge Colin Simmons uh, won the player of the game. He was on SMU's campus. I think he's going to go somewhere else, but uh, a very talented 2024 prospect. And then Caden Durham, the 2024 running back that SMU offered and who has been on campus, uh, won the offensive MVP. He was terrific. I think Keelan Russell is an unreal sophomore quarterback in the state. He's a class of 2025. He made a ton of plays, um, so I think he's got a bright future. And, and then Tyron Polly, uh, another one that that is coming up, a class twenty twenty five safety. I think SMU is another school that that really will be all over him. Um, Duncanville finally gets that state championship. It was a wild one. Uh, they were able to hold off that comeback and score, um, and and hold off North Shore late in the game with a with a fourth down stop. So. Pretty wild, um, unreal time at AT&T Stadium for the Texas State Championships. Now we turn our attention to the early signing period for SMU. We'll have a very long podcast tomorrow. I'm going to get up and record that one. Uh, lots to do uh, with the early signing period here for the Mustangs. Be sure to get on the site on theponyexpress.com, $10 for a year. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, kind of putting a wrap on some things. We will talk a lot more uh, tomorrow, long version of the podcast, and then one to recap the early signing period coming at you as well. Hope you guys uh, have a Merry Christmas early on in case I forget to say it on the next two podcasts. Um, I'll be traveling down to Florida Tuesday afternoon um, to start that off with the fam. Hope you guys travel safe around the holidays. Uh, I will catch you guys tomorrow with another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel, please. We appreciate you guys growing this channel and we will catch you next time with another edition thanks for listening lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.